This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You ready? Do it. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and before we get into it with my friend Ben Snoor, he's back, ladies and germs. He's back. Let's just take care of a little business, okay? This show is sponsored by Broadbeck Ironworks. Broadbeck Ironworks is a company run by two friends of mine, uh, Vince and Ryan, who make a beautiful 2x72 grinder. They're knife makers, making this grinder not just for knife makers, but sculptors, woodworkers, metalworkers, everybody. And they have a grinder that is a dynamite 2x72 grinder. So you're thinking to yourself, what's a 2x72 grinder? It's a grinder that uses belts that are 72 inches long, if you cut them in half and then it's two inches wide. So you end up getting a lot more belt than you'd get at like a small belt that you'd get like at the, you know, hardware store. Um, it's a great grinder. A lot of knife makers are using it. Um, the list goes on and on. And I would highly suggest you at least take a look at their packages because what they have is the two by 72 grinders dynamite. They have tons of different attachments for different operations. There's, there's, there's platens that is a flat behind a flat uh, platen behind the the belt. They have contact wheels, different types of contact wheels, different types of arms that you can use for different procedures that you might use for whatever. So if you go to broadbeckironworks.com, you can check out what they have. You can follow them on Instagram, Broadbeck Ironworks as well. And they have discount codes. So if you're looking for, uh, let's say, any grinder package, they have different styles, different sizes, and they have the max grinder package, the premium, and the mega. If you put in Knife Talk 200, you're going to get $200 off any of those grinder packages. And if you put in Knife Talk 100, you'll get $100 off. They have this beautiful new sharpening system. They have a surface grinder and leather sewing machine. So if you're in the leather business and you want to stop it with your big old thumbs and your eighth-inch drill bit, go get yourself one of them uh, leather sewing machines. Put in the code Knife Talk 100, you're going to get $100 off their system. So go check out what they're doing. I just talked to Vince this morning, and I'm going to have those guys on. They're going to tell their story. It's a very interesting story, and we'll have them on sooner rather than later. So thank you once again to Vince and Ryan, Broadbeck Ironworks, Ben, Seacrest, all those guys over there at Broadbeck Ironworks. You've been fantastic. The next is Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your handles, for your wood, for your carbon steel, for whatever you got, and, and it's great stuff. I use it all the time. I'm just trying to remember. I use actually. I'm uh, I'm doing a blade for the for the uh, Damba Steel Invitational, and I etched it. It looks great. Uh, it's uh, Damba Steel is uh, stainless Damascus, but I want to make sure that the dark stays dark. I'm going to be using Axe Wax to uh, I'm going to do Axe Wax to seal in the contrasts between the very shiny stainless and the uh, dark, darker, darker carbony kind of colors so they keep the contrast because I'll use the Axe Wax and I know because it's all natural food safe I don't have to worry about whoever gets it that you know I can feel comfortable with the fact that they're going to be using it and it'll be hel- it'll be good for them so if you go to axewax.us put in promo code fullblast10 you'll get 10% off and if you're in the UK go to UK Knife Supplies they're taking two uh, full blast 10 in the EU, Keith Colby's taking Full Blast 10. If you're in Australia, you've got two places to go. Gamaco, that's artisansupply.com.au. They're taking Full Blast 10. And nordicedge.com.au. Those guys are taking Full Blast 10 as well for 10% off your 
Axe Wax. So get yourself some Axe Wax. You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. The next thing is Total Boat. Total Boat is a company that I spent a little bit of time with at uh, Maker Camp, and they were great. They're fantastic. And what they have is... Adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds, they started out making stuff for boaters and DIYers, and then they realized that the maker community could benefit by using some of their products. So they offer stuff like two-part epoxies, different ways to use two-part epoxies, different types of sealants and all that stuff. So if you go to TotalBoat.com and put in Full Blast 10, you're going to get 10% off your order. My favorite is the UV Cure clear resin it comes in a tube you put it in like if you have like a if you have a knife with a tiny crack or a little hole in the from the from the the, the wood you can put a little bit of that um clear resin in and hit it with this uv flashlight and then it hardens immediately which is great for filling just like tiny little gaps and stuff like that so thick set casting epoxies that stuff's awesome if you're making you know if you're making hybrid handles you could probably use uh the uh total boat stuff i definitely check take a look at it Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, uh, Jimmy Duresta, they're all using they're all using uh, uh, Total Boat, and Keith Decent actually is making a product. He's making a mat that we're gonna we're gonna have to get him on sooner rather than later. That's gonna help you with your overfill when you have too much epoxy. You don't know what to do with it. He's making these mats that makes you something. So we'll talk about that later. So go get yourself some of that Total Boat, TotalBoat.com, full blast ten for ten percent off. Okay. The next thing is is Trojan Horse Forge. Trojan Horse Forge makes a stable rail knife finishing vice that really is something else. They're, they may, they're made in Texas, and they're knife makers making these beautiful uh, knife finishing vices. And you, I, everyone says to me, he's like, well, I, I just use my vice and, and, and some soft you know, rubber or something like that, and I don't have to worry about it. It's not like that. It's, it, it's for not only is the, it's for both sides of your knife. You can use the, the knife finishing vice to hand sand. They have these plates that bolt onto it. And they protect it. There's rubber all over the place. It protects your knife. And then you can hand sand comfortably. And it will support your distal taper, your kukri, your, your, uh, your curved blade, your distal taper, your integral bolster. It, if you want to hand sand with a file guide on, you can move the, the plate back. And then you can, you can hold on. Your file guide will be not in the way of your, your stable rail knife finishing vice. So go to TrojanHorseForge.com. Get yourself... Uh, one of their knife finishing vices, and if you put in the promo code Full Blast, you're going to get free shipping in the United States. They offer also offer payment plans too. It's a great company. I love these guys. Uh, I got two. I got two of the vices, and I I can't. I might need if I get another guy in here, I'll get three for sure. So go get yourself some of them Trojan Horse Forge. Tell them I said hello. They're doing a lot of stuff. I think they're going to be having an event coming up in the near future. So keep an eye on them. Go follow them on Instagram. Some of the best of the best are using it. My buddy, Ben Snoor, you got a Trojan Horse Forge knife finishing vice, don't you? Sure do, and I love it. Yeah, there you go. I love it. That's about as good. You can't get much better than that. So go get yourself one of them, and we'll talk to them later. Last but not least is Maritime Knife Supply. I spent some time with Lawrence Lake at Maritime Knife Supply. He is very supportive of the knife-making community. He's actually just finishing off his... Uh, he had a, I think he did a couple classes. He was at the New England School of Metalwork, and he took a class at Mareko Momasi. He's into it. He's into the knife-making game, and he uh, is also knows what you need. He's out of Canada, so you go to uh, uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or Maritime Knife 
Ca, and you look at what he's got. So if you're in Canada, it, he's got a lot of stuff that you that sometimes is hard to find. So uh, go to Maritime Knife Supply if you want belts, abrasives, uh, uh, kilns, forges, presses, whatever you need. Steel. He just gave me a little block of this hex 1080, a piece of 1080 in a hex form, which is perfect for a, a, a already to make uh, integral knife, and I don't have to even make the bolster. The bolster's already made because it's a hex material. So go check out what they're doing, and if you get abrasive belt packs of 10, uh, they're going to give you one off. So one, so 10% off that belt pack, uh, and if you are worried that I'm in the United States, what I got to order from Canada? They're just as fast as anywhere else, and uh, Lawrence is really, really into the knife-making community, very supportive of the podcasts, all the podcasts, and very supportive of the knife-making community. So I appreciate everything you do. Lawrence, it was great meeting you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. They also have all the TR Maker equipment if you're looking for bevel jigs and all that stuff. And Dr. Laren's book, must-have book, Knife Engineering, it's there as well, as well as Matt Parkinson, one of our guests, his uh, uh, Rockwell, uh, Rockwell testers. They little definitely get those. Or um, I was trying to think of something else. You got, I mean, if you if you want something, if you're in Canada and you say, you know what these guys have that I need, give Lawrence a shot. Tell him, hey, man, we need these, and maybe he'll figure it out for you. So go get yourself some of that Maritime Knife Supply. Thank you very much once again, and thank you very much to my next guest for sitting through all that. Ben Snur's back, baby. I needed a little bit of, it's sometimes on this podcast, it gets a little bit heady. It's a little bit too much brain power. And I need to just laugh and be with someone that I can hang out with, have a good time, and have a couple laughs. Ben Snur, you all know who he is. He's the best. Ben, how are you? I am good. I'm good. What is going I, I, on with you? You know, I'm fighting an ongoing battle with raccoons. What is the current business around here? Go ahead. They keep killing the fucking chickens. How many chickens and do you have? Not as many as we did. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. uh, we're, good answer, hell, good answer right there. <laughs> I, shit, I think they've killed like eight chickens that, since the beginning of the summer. You're kidding. No. And How now we're, chi- we're down to three chickens. That's not. I mean, that's, that's pathetic for a ranch to only have three chickens. I, <laughs> I mean, isn't three chickens, like, pathetic? Well, I I guess it depends on if you want to be a chicken farmer or not. <laughs> yeah. and Alex wants to be a chicken farmer, and so oh. we're, we're trying it, and we're kind of fighting a losing battle, but, you know, that's what's been going on around here. You know what's weird is, I for some reason, I seem to have thought that raccoons were a northeastern situation like those I never... sorry motherfuckers are everywhere what's up with how is that possible i, I don't I just... know i mean i would think because you're in the middle of clarendon texas it's not an easy place to get to i just <sighs> i would just I, for some reason i find i find them to be kind of like i just didn't see them to be like really deep in the forest or oh deep in yeah the desert yeah big animals. time anywhere there's trash See that's they the thing is like, I don't I don't see your your where you are you're pretty secluded I, I would yeah think the... I, you know they eat berries and just rotten stuff they'll eat anything so they can live anywhere huh but yeah that's I've I've been trapping a few lately and and I've actually got one in the trap that I discovered just right before we I came on here and I have to do something with him but. Uh. 
Yeah, that's that's what's been going on. We have uh, their their raccoon in where I live. The raccoons are big because I was actually talking. We have a uh, animal patrol officer in in our town, and every time I walk the dogs, I see him every so often. He's Wendell. He's a great guy, and he's the guy who they call for any kind of animal problem, any kind of animal problem, bats. Uh, raccoons, you know, coyotes, anything that's going on, you call Wendell. And I've gotten to know him, and he's a smart guy who drives around in this truck, and his 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 deputy is like a collie, a border collie. Yeah. So he's got a border <laughs> collie with him, and the and then they'll go, and then he'll let the border collie chase the geese off the you know the soccer fields and stuff. Ah, like that. perfect. And it, great guy, unbelievable. And we were talking about raccoons, and he was saying that the raccoons in our area have gotten worse. And bigger, way bigger. I've, I've heard about that. They're huge. I used to, uh, I used to take the train early into the city in the mornings, and I would see these. Mo- I mean, like small bears. I mean, these things were huge. I've heard the they've sewers. gotten really big in like suburban areas. They live they, in the sewers. They yeah, yeah, because the sewers, the sewer, you can get in. Well, in my town, you can get into the sewer. I mean, you don't doesn't take much to get into the sewer, like the where the the, the curb breaks and then there's like this mm-hmm. metal grate. But next to it, there's like I would say like four or five inches, a four or five inch gap, and they just kind of squeeze their fat asses through there. <laughs> and then, so what's happening is, and we had a raccoon, and I got to be careful with my dogs, is what my little terrier is a sees blood i mean it's just like you cannot stop her i mean she's yeah. just like well, like most dogs but terriers especially she's just like she's as zero fear she doesn't give a shit she's been skunked a few times does not care whatsoever um and i'm i'm terrified of when porcupine if a porcupine ever showed up but i'm afraid of these goddamn raccoons because they're so goddamn big and what happens is is they they in the in town we have our recycling bins and they all kind of like I try, you try to wash out your recycling, but they still kind of raid the recycling bin. Yeah. And I th- two of them were like, I don't know if they were eating and screwing. I don't know what they were doing, but they they got my dog fucking wild because they she was just crazy and looked out the window and there they were in the recycling bin and they're terrifying. Did she Dude. like chew, chew the window trim off trying to get out? She's just vibrating and her teeth are chattering and she's trying to get through the window and she just knows it's out there and she just knows exactly what it is and it's like, you know... But they're huge. I mean, they're big. They're like, I would say probably like 40, 30 to 40 pounds. I've, that, I've heard that they're like, they're like big dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, and it, so, and then, they, and then they come out and actually I was, I was uh, podcasting here with uh, Andrew Alexander and one just started walking up and down the street by out, right up beside the car. And I was afraid he was going to run in the shop. That brazen and, motherfucker. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is like you get worried because if they're coming out during the daytime, you think maybe they're sick. But now, yeah, ex- that's what I think too. But Wendell says now that they're hungry and there's so much food and they're and they're not being like attacked by anybody. They're yeah. just getting shoot off. They're far more bold these days. Well, I you know, I generally don't have much of an issue with raccoons. You know, they're just kind of of a nuisance. If you leave something outside that shouldn't be out there, they're going to mess with it. And the chicken deal, they don't ever get the chickens that you don't care about. They always go for your favorite chickens. Wow. And that's that's the irritating thing. Every time the kids or Alex has a chicken that they specifically like, they they go for them first. And then whenever you have the mean little banny rooster, which is a story in itself, 
They leave him alone. Uh, How many roosters do you have? None, thankfully. The last one we had ended up being a zombie. What does that? Uh, what does that mean? So, you- so this this is the the story of of the zombie rooster. So we we bought all these chickens, or you know, a bunch of chicks, and some of them were not sexed. One of them ended up being a banny rooster. And he was just mean to yeah. everyone. And, you know, the kids were just at the right height to where if he jumped up, he'd, like, scratch their faces. Yeah. And for some reason, they thought that they liked this chicken, even though they ran away from it and screamed every time it just looked at them. And so Alex and the kids went to visit her family in Arizona, and I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to get rid of this fucker. So the morning after they left, I walked out and he came at me and I grabbed him by the neck and I wrung his little neck and I threw him in the ranger and I kind of forgot about him. And so I went and worked all day, drove around, went and drove the work, you know, just did some of my ranch stuff. And since they weren't here, I was able to work late in the shop and I'd got come home, eating dinner, looked at the chicken. I was like, damn it, I need to do something with that stupid chicken. And I drove to the shop and I worked all night or worked for quite a while. And it was like midnight. And I went back to the ranger and the rooster was gone. And I thought, ah, a raccoon got rid of him for me. And so I didn't think a whole lot about it. And I got home and there is that rooster with his head cockeyed standing on the front porch looking at me. And he traveled at night like two and a half miles to get back home with his half broken neck. Oh my God. So then what'd you do? I finished the job in the morning. Oh, geez Louise. That's, a, but that's, I mean, that I, was, a, I was, I was shocked to see him. I would imagine you'd be shocked to see him. That's a, that's a pretty shocking story. Yeah. And you know, I, obviously I probably should have eaten him or something, but I, it was just me here. I don't know how to clean a chicken. I, I don't, I guess you pluck it. <laughs> uh, yeah. You start uh, there. Yeah. I guess you start there. I guess you pluck yeah, it. Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to mess with it. Eat, trying to eat some dead chicken by right. myself. Of course. I mean, I, I, Hillary, my wife's family has chickens and every time they have a rooster, the roosters are so goddamn mean. It's like, it's, I don't understand it. Be honest with you. I don't understand. I guess it's just the testosterone. Right. Right. So everything else is okay. Everything you're working on some new projects. You just saw that awesome. uh, Would you call that an integral hammer? That claw hammer? You you know, they call them a strap hammer. Okay. And that's a really like a super super old designs. Uh, Oh, uh, Keith Shipwright Skills sent me a picture. We were discussing it, so I was kind of messing with it trying it out and i mean that thing took me like eight tries to get right so uh, unlike so just to describe so this hammer instead of there being an eye it's a claw hammer but instead of there being an eye that the handle passes through you forge down two side straps so then the handle is kind of bolted through uh well the it it, it kind of wedges in between the straps and then is riveted through the straps to hold it okay Altogether, but he sent me an etching, a, a picture of an etching from 1514. And there's a 
one of those strap hammers in there. I mean, it is a tremendously old design, and it's huh. such a pain in the ass. I don't know why they wouldn't have started punching eyes earlier. Yeah, because you had to make two that. ears, and you move the ears out of the way. And... Yep. Yeah, everything about it was a pain. And then I, I foolishly decided to do it out of Damascus. And Jeez. Yeah. It looks amazing. Well, I would imagine. You. I would imagine that heavy use would just keep, constantly split the handles. See, I don't. I kind of disagree because look, think about how much wood is in in the eye of a hammer. Right. And it's it's really not that much, and the leverage is different. Whereas a strap hammer, and obviously I epoxied it, and people in fifteen fourteen didn't have you know nice G G flex epoxy. Right. But it's attached for six inches of the handle instead of, you know, an inch and a quarter or an inch and a half or whatever uh, is in the, in a hammer eye. I see. I see. I, in my mind, I was thinking that maybe because and I, the, the tip of the the tip of the handle doesn't go into the the head of the hammer, right? Yeah. So I would think that those two rivets would be like they were there. Would, there would be like in my mind, I'm thinking like maybe there would be a crack line between those two things, but I don't know what the hell. I, I, I hell, I don't know either. I've wondered but it, about it, but the projects that you're doing these days are really—I—it's I, amazing. I really—I'm really enjoying all the projects you're doing because it seems like you're having fun, but you're also being—you're being very creative. Uh, some of it's creative, and some of it—it's—it's it's like that hammer. That's—that's that's as I said, an, an old design that I—I I hadn't seen anybody try to do recently. And wanted to try my hand at it. Now that I've done it, I know why hammers are not made that way. <laughs> it it sucks. <laughs> it looked like it looked like it was. I know you you had sent me pictures of the original one, the one that you did, because that was not the first one you did. No. And you told me how much of a pain in the ass it is, and it looked like a giant pain in the ass. But the the outcome was really great. Well, thank you. I'm I'm mighty proud of that. How are you enjoying? Your, I mean, your content is very, and I hate to say content, but that's just the way it is. It is what I it mean, is. You're doing a lot more. Actually, last time we spoke, you said to me, how come you're not, how come you're not monetizing your reels? And I started monetizing my reels. So, you know, it is quite a, it is quite an experience. It, it's an interesting experience, this whole yeah. kind of change with reels for me, especially because I just like, it is, the engagement is completely different. It's very clear on Instagram that like they're really kind of putting the bootstraps on, you know, putting the boot to the neck of, you know, just regular straight pictures. Yeah. How are you, do you are you thinking about projects along the lines? Like, do you have like a list of things that you want to do or how are you going about? You know, I've always kind of had a, like a running list in my head going of, of little projects that I wanted to do that I don't. I had no real reason to just sit down and do something different whenever I could be making money, making hammers. And this has given me just a good excuse to try some of those things that have been percol. I've had percolating for quite a while. Does uh, it, is it enjoy? Do you, are you, it seems as though you're enjoying yourself. I, I am enjoying it. Like, you know, you know how it is. You you occasionally just want to do some forging instead of grinding on a knife, and I want to do something instead of just forging a hammer. Right. And it kind of it it breaks up the monotony of what you're doing, and then kind of lets you try just try new things, new processes, be a little more creative. 
and because that's it's, it's a de- I mean that's the new thing it's like I, I was I, I th- I've been talking to a lot of people about creativity and expressing yourself and stuff like that and it's all been very interesting you know I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm expressing myself in any of this really it's mm-hmm. just I like you know most of everything I make is still a functional item whereas you know I think more of the artistic stuff is making something that doesn't have an obvious use. See, but that's interesting that you think that because when I look at, I can think of right off the bat, right off the bat, I can see a lot of similarities between a lot of your work. Like your, your traditional hammers that you sell at wellshot.com. I saw the same shapes and lines in the, uh, the bottle openers you did with the, with the belt clip. You did the yeah. great belt, belt clip. There was a, there was like a real, there was a real connection between the two where you had, I guess it was your termination of your handle. Yeah. I saw that. I saw those lines in that. It was very clearly a Ben Snore thing. You're, you're kind of like your, your fingerprint was kind of there. I, I kind of like to make most of what I sell to be, I, I don't know if I'd say instantly recognizable as something that I've done, but some, you know, if you know my, what I make, then you can kind of look at it and see that I, that I, I made it by a mile. I mean, there's no question. I mean, I think that everything you do is that simply like, everything you do has that flavor, which I always find is to be very interesting. And, um, it's, it's like, that's kind of like, I guess in terms of creativity, I mean, that's really where it is, is like, can someone see something that you've done and recognize your, you know, whatever your hammer marks or your decision making? And, and that's kind of more the creative part. I don't think it's necessarily about like, and I know we're getting, we're supposed to be talking about dick jokes and stuff like that, but, <laughs> but we're going to get there, but it, there is definitely something there. Like I can see it like that belt clip. I mean, that belt clip bottle opener and your hammers were like, they're made to be together. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I put a little thought into that and I, you know, it's funny that you see that as creativity. And I think of that as I'm keeping a running thing theme and not coming up with something new. Well, I don't necessarily think I, I mean, it's, it's, there's an interesting thing about this whole blacksmithing and bladesmithing and sculpture and making things thing. And I'm now I'm, I've seen, I meet so many people in all these different camps. It's, Obviously, you don't have to have something completely one hundred thousand percent original. Like, yeah, you know, unless, unless you're I, paint, unless you're paint, a painter, you know, unless you're a sculptor, it's really hard to make some object that exists that people can instantly recognize. That that you know, it it's hard to do something completely original. Uh, there's no originality anymore. That's why all the TV mo- all, all the movies that they're making nowadays are remakes. Yeah, uh, I mean. Frankly, I, you know, this is something I've never really said before, but my senior, I, when I was a senior in college and I was doing an art project, uh, not an art project, my, my, my senior thesis, which we had to do an art show. And I had been, at the time I was working for metal workers on the summers and we were making our own tools so we could make, you know, whatever. 
and I was making my own tools and my professor was like looking at the tools that I was making a lot of tweaking bars and stuff like that and mm -hmm. and he was just like what is that for and what is that for and I've never seen that before what is that for and I started to do my senior project was I ended up making tools that you didn't know exactly what they were but you could tell that they were a tool you could tell that they were directional I'd like to see that uh, it, you know what frankly I I didn't want to do it I was kind of pressured into it um, and it was like they were very directional. Like you could tell what you could tell that which part was the handle. You could tell how they were used to a certain degree, but you didn't know exactly what they were. Ultimately, when I hung everything up and put everything together, it looked like an S and M show, and it was like <laughs> super duper not what I was. And I was like, until I hung everything up, it was super duper not what I had wanted to do. And it was, I was pressured into doing this product. I wanted to do a giant, I was, at the time I was doing all these lures and I wanted to do the lures. And one of my professors was like, yeah, I think you should press yourself further. And this is kind of more too commercial and stuff like that. But at the same time, I knew that I would have done, I would have gotten distinction, which was what I wanted. And I ended up doing these tool sculptures and I, it looked like an S&M show. So it was like, I was like, you know, it probably turned me off from tool making, frankly, when I was 19. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the different, I'm thinking about creativity. I'm also thinking about, you know, we talk about YouTube and learning and stuff like that. And I, I saw a maker who was doing an interview and he was saying that uh, you can go onto YouTube and it's basically like going to college and you can learn about everything on YouTube. You don't need to take classes anymore. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was just like, yeah, anything you want to learn how to do, you can do it on YouTube. And I would... Part of me was just like, yeah, you can learn some tips and shit like that, but at the same time, you can't learn experience. You can't I, learn. I was going to say, you can't, you can't, you've got to learn by doing. You can yeah. have theoretical knowledge, but that doesn't mean you can do something. But and but that's like it. And then I started to think about uh, something. I that theoretically I know how to have a baby, but I can't <laughs> do it. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, you can watch a YouTube video on how to have a baby or make me a Pornhub video, mm -hmm. but or whatever. But I mean, at the same time, yes, if, without doing it yourself, you have no idea. Yeah, I think that this is almost like I'm starting to realize it's like a generational thing. And I want to just tell you a quick story. I don't know if you're watching baseball at all, but this is this is now we're recording Monday playoff baseball has been amazing a lot of underdogs have been like beating like these you know the guy the best teams in baseball and right now the yankees this is monday so when this comes out on friday all hell might have broken loose i don't know if they won i don't know if they lost now they're in game five so yesterday sunday right. they were playing uh it, were, it was a do or die game they were down it was a, a, a five game series best out of five and they had to uh they had to. They were down a game, and there was brain delays, and the pitching was all fucked up. And they were down uh, two games to one. If last night, if the Guardian Sunday night, if the Guardians, or formerly the Indians, had won, the New Yankees would have been eliminated. So Garrett Cole was on the mound. He was great. I don't like Garrett Cole, but at the same time, I was grateful that he won both the games for the Yankees. He won the game last night, and by the way, and there was a there's a there was a player, and this is like the more interesting thing in, in sports, right? In on today on sports, there's a player for the Guardians. His name is Josh Naylor. He's like a thug. He looks like a thug. Be honest with you. Right. He looks like he looks like a thug. I mean, if I was a if I was a, if I was a Guardians fan, I'd be pumped that he was on my team because he looks like a like a total. But I'm a Yankee fan. I'm just like I don't like this guy. He gets a home run off. Off Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is the New Yorkers, the Yankees' ace. He's the best, most most expensive pitcher, one of the most expensive pitchers in baseball. 
He's the ace. This guy, this kind of, you know, knuckle dragger, knock one out of the park. He's running around the bases, and he's not in the best of shape. I mean, a lot of these baseball players, I don't know how they do it. None of them are in the best yeah. of shape. They all got guts, and they all just like, you know. He's yeah. running around the bases, and his hands are in like this. They're, they're, under, they're below his waist clasp, and he's rocking his arms like he's rocking a baby. You know what I'm saying? Because he's running around uh, the bases, yeah. and he's rocking a baby, and he's like yelling at Garrett Cole, saying, and no one knows what he's doing, but he looks like, I mean, all I can say, I'm watching it, I'm just like, what is he, rocking a baby? What does that mean? He's putting a baby to sleep? I, who knows what it is? So they, they, Bob Costas comes back. We figured out what that was. He's, he was yelling, you're my son. You're my son. Garrett Cole, you're my, you're my fucking son, is what he's saying. He's running around the bases. He looks like a kind of, I mean, I hate to say he looks like a gorilla, but it's like a kind of a ooh-ooh thing. He's fat, and he's kind of running around the bases doing a rocking the baby, like all the way around, just like mocking, mocking uh, Garrett Cole. And it turns out he's yelling, you're my fucking son. I'm your father. You're my son. I'm your father. (laughs) Oh, I like that. It's fucking great. Now, I'm watching this game with a former semi-professional baseball player. A friend of mine plays, I mean, he plays through high school, through college. He played in an adult league. He's almost 50. He still plays in adult league. This guy is like, he was a catcher for like 20 years. He knows baseball. All right. And I turned to him and I said, well, what do you think about that? And he goes, he goes, oh, you got to hit him next time he's up. I mean, because he's a catcher. I say, all right, you're the catcher. What do you, t-? and I was asking him, mean, do you, did you, do you, you know, control your pitcher? He's like, yes. I give him signs. I tell him what to do. I know, I know the batters. I understand where they need to go. I do the signs and I had a really, really good success with my pitchers. I said, okay. So Josh Naylor comes back up after running around the bases yelling, you're my son. What do you do? And he goes, oh, you got to drill him. Yeah. He goes, he goes, oh, I'm, I, there's just like, he's like, there is no, I don't even have to give him a sign. Um, I said, this, you got to get one right between the eyes or the back of the neck or whatever. He's got to, you got to hit the fucking guy. Yeah. You got to catch him between the mother and the fucker. Dude, you got to fucking jam him. He's like, there's like, I said, there's no way. I said, what are the percentage that he gets hit? He goes, well, back in my day, there's a hundred percent chance he's getting hit. There's just no way he's not getting hit. You can't just run around the bases saying, ooh, ooh, you're my son and not get hit. So obviously they did. So now, so he, so he comes up again, you know, they, he doesn't get hit. Doesn't get hit. So I said, "What happened?" He goes, ah, "Times have changed. Times have changed." So I'm listening to sports radio this morning. I'm getting to the point. I was listening to sports radio this morning, and they're talking about it. And the sports radio guys are saying exactly what my friend said. Fifteen years ago, this guy is not. You know, he's getting off on a stretcher. Yeah, he's get. I mean, he's getting drilled. He his first at bat, he will be at first base with a lump on his head. Yeah, the, know, dug, the dugout's getting cleared. The dugout is getting cleared. He is getting drilled. The, the pitcher's getting thrown out. There's warnings all over the place. There's, you know. And what's interesting was was the sports now, the sports talk guy was Boomer Sias. I don't know if you remember Boomer Sias. He played I don't know. football. He's played football. He goes, times have changed. Sportsmanship and the way the, this individuality in sports is, is now what everybody wants times have changed completely. And a lot of it has to do with Instagram. A lot of it has to do with Instagram. He's like, this guy, Josh Nalen knows when he runs around the bases during playoffs, it's all, it's going to be on Instagram. He's like, this clip will be all over the place. Uh, Yeah. Social media rules the world. And it's affecting like 
like norms. <laughs> it's affecting norms. This they lost last night, you know. And okay. they were they were down. They were down and when he hit that home run, they were down four to two. And he just got one fucking home run. It's not like they fucking killed him. You know, they they lost anyway. They lost anyway. But it was like there what the at the at the what people were saying was, well, you know, normally you wouldn't do that, but he was doing it because he knew that it would be a viral it would be a viral clip yeah. on social media. I, I I can see that. I don't know how that ties in. I've been waiting for the YouTube you to well, tie it into YouTube and maybe you, you learn how to uh hit a home run on YouTube. Well <laughs> no, I mean I'm basically making the point that, you know, experience is almost thrown out now. And that these, oh I, yeah I completely moments, agree with that these 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 internet moments become your teaching method so once again I've been talking about you know influencers and their roles and you know and all this and all these kids are now going to be these fucking little leaguers are going to be running around they're going to be you know saying you're my son when they when they get when they fucking drill some pitcher I and I saw a video of a kid who and it was you know, just one of these videos that you come across on Instagram. And it was a kid who'd won a motor, like a motocross race. And he was a young kid, little bitty motorcycles, but he just ghost rode his, you know, ghost ride the whip, let go of his motorcycle and then just started strutting around. And they, I mean, cause that's what he sees the professionals do, but they jerked his ass off the track and took away his win the, for act, well, acting like an asshole. But see, that's the thing. Like you wouldn't have seen that clip unless he had done it, you know. And he had, and it turned into a thing. It's same thing with Josh. This Josh Nalen, he might, he might, if he was an older guy, he would have said he wouldn't have done it, you yeah. know. And then there were two Yankees. There were uh, two new Yankees uh, who very young. One guy, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, who's just out of. He's he's he was in AAA and now he's the Yankees. Been, he spiked the baseball bat. And a lot of people are saying they wouldn't, if he was an older guy, he wouldn't have done that out of experience. Yeah. Some of them are, it's experience. They know that they're going to get fucking hit by the next pitch, but they don't give a shit because they just know that they don't need the experience. They just need the, 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 the virality of it all. Well, and some of those guys also, they've made such a big deal out of them, you know, Oh, you're going to be the next greatest thing in the world. And so they think the rules don't apply to them. They don't have to have sportsmanship because they're too fucking good for that. Well, what's happening is is like this need for this kind of influencing or virality or stuff like that is superseding common sense to a certain degree. You know, uh, and, and just decency. I and like decency. Yeah, I. We're all doing this Instagram thing, and you kind of appreciate kind of being popular, but I'd much rather gain followers by being good and like trying and being a nice person and all that than just being an asshole being viral for being a dick is not not a good look in my opinion here's that's interesting you say that because there's a couple things i i feel like for me i'm about to be 49 i'm not going to be doing i'm not going to be doing dance offs you know, I'm not going to be doing, you know, lip syncing, shaking around. I just, for some yeah. reason, I just feel like I'm too old. And that's not that I'm like, I'm too old. I shouldn't be doing it. It's just like, I don't need, I, I don't need this in my life. Now, no. I know what you're saying, but now, you know, on Knife Talk and on this prop podcast, 
I don't. I want to fucking tell dick jokes like Howard yeah. Stern. Like, like I like the controversy that we. I mean, we've knife talk lately has been a fucking monster. Funny. Like we. I've been making. We've been t- telling completely outrageous stories that are like and funny and totally like part of me is just like i hope my wife doesn't listen to this one she might not appreciate this one but i know it's funny you know it's like it's very much along the lines of like i know that i i probably shouldn't say these stories but in my mind i know that they're funny and people will like them so like i'm just as guilty as you know whoever dancing around and making a fool of themselves because i know that it's fucking good uh, there, there's doing things in, in the sense of good humor and having a good time and versus I'm going to do something that I'm going to be an asshole and I know it'll make me go viral. Uh, it's, I, I, you know what? I wish I could say that that doesn't work, but knife talk, if we didn't tell jokes and we didn't, and if it was just boring, we wouldn't be where we, I mean, we're like. If we got rid of if Knife Talk, got rid of all their sponsors. If all the sponsors decided to leave, we have five of them behind them waiting. Wow! It's like I'm. It Knife Talk is when I say that Knife Talk is number one knife related podcast on the German planet. It's fucking true. Yeah, I mean, we're fucking consistently good. And but at the same time, it's like I know for a fact that I'm going to say some. We did one. We did. We did this fat bit this past week, on, and, and I made Craig laugh, and he started laughing, and I'm like, I know this is good shit, but I know that it's inappropriate, and I know that I, I, I wouldn't want my mother to listen to it, but at the same time, I'm like, I know it's fucking good, but at the same time, I mean, I'd be a hypocrite to say that, you know, I know that, you know, if you watch World Star Hip Hop, I don't know if you do World Star Hip Hop on Instagram. I know of it. The, it, I mean, they have these. They have these sponsors by these women with their butts, their butts, and their they're shaking their butts, and uh-huh. all these people are. You know, I can't believe World Star Hip Hop has come to this, but it's just like, yeah, well, it fucking works. I mean, when was like, World World Star Hip Hop anything else? Well, but I mean, there's all these people who are like, you know, well, it wasn't used to be like this. Well, World Star Hip Hop was you saw us fight in the street and then you film it and then you put the camera on yourself and say World Star. But now all of a sudden they have this like they're not they're not reporters. This isn't like the news. And all of a sudden you get this woman twerking and they're just like, oh, I'm offended by my World Star Hip Hop direction. Like, all I want to see is people beating each other's asses, and I have to. You're forcing me to watch some good-looking woman shake her ass. Yeah, how dare you? This is. I mean, it is really is. I, I mean, I, I I agree with them. It, it is. It is obnoxious. Uh, that, you know, it's you know, it's, we're in a world of Karens, and that's fine. I will still watch those viral videos. It's just not what I choose to do. Is the best <sighs> thing I can say about it. It's fine it, for you. If you want to do that, that's okay, and I'll probably watch it, and I might laugh. But it's just not not the the route I'm going to take. It's the hardest part about the maker community is the fact that we don't like to see we don't we like the influ, we like the influence, but we're not willing to accept the responsibility. You know, and it's also the same thing with all these other people. I mean, you know, what do you I, mean by that? I think that I think that with the maker community, there's a lot of uh, safety that goes by the wayside. 
And I and I kind of talked about this on Knife Talk. Oh yeah, yeah, like week. no safety glasses, no hearing protection. I mean, I saw it at Maker Camp. I mean, there at Maker Camp there were like, I mean, if OSHA was at Maker Camp, they'd shut fucking Maker Camp down. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying that at what point do influencers in the maker community teaching people how to use, you know, industrial equipment have some responsibility, ethical. I'm not saying like legal. I'm saying ethical, mm -hmm. a moral responsibility to be influencing people into doing things a safe way or the appropriate way. You know, at, at what point do we, and I guess it's a personal decision in everybody's case. You know what I mean? Well, and that's what I was going to say. If you don't want to wear safety glasses, that's fine. I, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm not going to do it. And it, you're going to see, oh, fuck. You're good. I got you. Uh, I unplugged the computer and I thought it was going to die. No, no, uh, it's fine. You're, no, you're I good. mean, you're, you're always going to see me wearing safety glasses, but that's just my choice. And if you don't want to wear them, that's okay. Well, it, we, that is, I agree with you. With the exception of we're starting to get to the point where we're seeing a new generation of people who have been watching. I mean, this is not new. Instagram and YouTube are not new. And they're now, I mean, Instagram, I've been on Instagram for probably like whatever, 12 years, something like that, something like that, right. 10 or 12 years, something like that. There's now a generation of younger people who have grown up to, to, to see these things. I mean, that's the reason I've said this a million times is the reason why people uh, uh, testing for the ABS, this, is, this year has been you know, 60 people as opposed to 14, 15. Yeah. And it's like, these are younger people, you know, look, Will Stelter, what is he, 21, 22? I mean, he grew up watching Forge and Forge Fire's 9, 10 years old. Most of these guys at least were influenced in the sense of like they were aware of it. And Definitely. then they saw it. So you're starting to see a new generation who are, who are raised on maybe, maybe, uh, unsafe things, unsafe practices. So I, I'm not. I'm. I agree with you. I, hell, and I, I agree was, with I, there. I didn't. We didn't have the internet growing up, and I was still raised on unsafe practices just because we were stupid. Of course. However, when you start to, I mean, here's the example that I would say, and I see this a lot, is you know, welding now has become something that like all homeowners, homeowners never used to have MIG welders before. And it was now they've made the welding companies have made it so a backyard person or backyard or a hobbyist could have a welder in their house, which generally wasn't that normal for recreation to have welders. I see people in T-shirts. I see people in sneakers. I see people closing their eyes. I see people not using masks. I see all the, you know, the stuff that you see, and then all of a sudden you're just like, well, he did it, so why can't I do it? And I'm not saying it's a conscious decision, but it's an unconscious decision. You know what I mean? Yeah, you probably hate my welding practices. I don't. I don't care. I don't. And 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 it's. Uh, it, I don't. I, don't, I yeah, personally. And it's fine. I. I generally. I very seldom wear gloves. I. You know. I wear a long sleeve shirt all the time, but I don't wear a jacket over it because I get hot whenever I'm welding. I, I do a fair amount of tacking with my eyes closed. Uh, but you so, don't. Yeah. But no. But you don't. But you don't like make a. You're not doing these tip videos where you're doing that. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. So I mean, that's a different situation whatsoever. And and at the same time, I'm like, I'm not. You know, the safety patrol. But you, I, I would be. I see. 
you know, people quenching with fireballs all the time and not yeah. wearing glasses. And I see, I see stuff that I'm just like, I wonder at what, you know, I've told talked about this on knife talk is there was a guy up in Albany, New York, who lit his whole town on fire because he was, he learned something from watching forge and fire. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he, he melted, caught his quench bucket on fire. Didn't he? I think, I mean, he and might spill or something like that. I think it was either that or he was bending something over a barrel or I don't know what he was doing. But at the same time, it was like, he, I mean, he said, I, you know, the, the story went that he was like, I doing something I learned on Forge and Fire or I was influenced by Forge and Fire or the article said I would Forge and Fire, whatever, you bending know, you o- see bending it over a barrel, huh? <laughs> I mean, he would maybe, I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but at the same time, he, he burned half his goddamn town down. You know, and at the same time, it's just like, I, I see things and, and people tag me in their posts. And I usually, I get worried because when I'm tagging posts, especially of tips and stuff like that, I don't want people to think that I condone certain You don't things. want to be associated with bad practices. I mean, it's what happens. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I get I, that. And I and I, I just I personally like I don't do tip I do I do a couple tip things and then I was just like I'm not this is not for me I'm not a tip guy I mean maybe I'll do some cooking stuff but like I, I don't know stuff. I just get I just Love get concerned I just get concerned with the whole influencer thing and and how Instagram and social media kind of changes the way people do things or or what pro- proper actions are Josh N- Nalen. 20 years ago wouldn't you know go you know you're my you scream you're my fucking bait you're my fucking son <laughs> around the bases of the game four game four of the of the playoffs on you know major tv everyone's watching but, i, I want to go back to something that you you brought up a minute ago that just kind of blows my mind and it's the the whole welding thing and go how ahead. everybody's welding and i I wasn't at maker camp you were there i'd like to know how how all that went but one thing chris zip said at the Lincoln welding tent, it was packed the yeah. entire time. 200 people over a weekend got to go weld something. And it just, that is something I, I guess I've always taken for granted of having a welder and knowing how to weld. That 200 people would want to do something that to me is just kind of work. It, it's just amazing that, that has gotten to be so popular. I Lincoln Lincoln is doing stuff, and I don't know Lincoln, and I don't know Miller. I growing up or and being in metal shops, I always was told Miller is the way to go. I'm a Lincoln, Miller guy. Lincoln has been Lincoln has been taking uh, social media, and they are doing everything it takes, and they're doing an amazing job mm-hmm. changing the way people see. I mean, social media now is different. You go to a welding magazine and a welding mag. Who fucking buys a welding magazine? But if who you buys go, a magazine? Who buys a magazine? But now companies like companies like Lincoln are saying, "All right, let's get Chris Zepp to you know." And then all these, all his other guy, all the other guys, Jimmy and everybody, they're gonna. All of a sudden, all I see is Lincoln every five minutes, mm-hmm. and they're Same using here. their their heads. And so they sent up a huge. I mean, their tent. Every station had. Uh, shields so you wouldn't wouldn't flash people around you like there were like seven i don't know i think i'm gonna just pretend like there were six stations and there were like extractor gas extractors and everyone had gloves and helmets and it was so well put together that all of a sudden if you're thinking i want to learn how to put something together maybe i better learn it here chris zepp is a good teacher man he'll get you fucking going you know and and i can see it 
and it was very it was that of all the of, of all the things that was probably the safest because they took care i mean lincoln is a company that deals with you know the liability of these things and they and they safety was number one probably yeah. the better way to learn how to weld is through a lincoln or you know i know i've in, i uh interviewed stephanie hoffman who's a part of the uh the welding society and it's people are crazy for it i mean people are crazy for it now and it's because they want to learn how to put things together well, and it's so much more accessible now than it used to be. I mean, it used to be the only welder you could get for the home really was like a Lincoln tombstone. Right. Unless you well, wanted like a buzz to box. like yeah, really right. spend some money and then you could maybe buy a buy a MIG welder. But now you've got these little multi process welders that are reasonably priced and work well for a majority of what you know, your maker community or hairy homeowner is gonna do because they're not gonna be, you know, they don't need to weld inch and a quarter plate or anything like that when i was at, when i the first time i was at a shop we had a uh uh we had a 120 uh uh portable mig welder with Just flux throw core. that in the trash with flux core we hate we had to do we had to do jobs in the in the field we hated it i mean the flux oh. core, i mean you hated it now you can get you can get a 120 mig or, or one that we use a 110 outlet Mm-hmm. And you can get yourself a small tank of get argon seventy five twenty five. You can get some spool. You can get spools of wire at Lowe's and Home Depot. Both of them have o three five, o three o, o two five. You yeah. can have you have a, you have a lot of different styles of. You can get welding. You can get everything at Home Depot or Lowe's, and it's so much more accessible and easier to use than it ever has been. Oh, and you people, don't know, have to have to know your settings like. Nope. Nope. You put in what thickness of material you're welding, and that's it, and you're done. It's, I mean, it is. It's a. It's a, it's incredible how much more people want to use. And you know, actually, something. This is something I brought. I was. I was at Maker Camp. I was talking to Matt Harris. Who? <laughs> Matt Harris is outstanding. And I'd like to meet that guy. He's also extraordinarily tall. Surprisingly look like tall. Him. You would think I was talking to uh, John Ariani. He goes, I thought he was as small and skinny as Cliff. Cliff's like a buck 25 soaking wet. <laughs> and we all thought that, you know, Matt was the same. Matt's like six, four. And he all was, right. a, he was a monster. Yeah. He's he was really, man. he was really interesting because he actually, and he sent me a, um, I'm I got to find this, uh, this article. He sent me this article about, um, uh, here it is. So Matt, was t- I, I talk about how uh, uh, welding and blacksmithing is relatively, you know, the industrial industrial aspects of welding on a hobby level is a new thing. Well, it's apparently it's not. I've been wrong all these years. So he sent me this article about the of about King. It's called King at the Forge. This is from Matt Harris. Mm-hmm. Louis the Fourteenth proved to be a man i gotta put my goddamn reading glasses on i'm getting so goddamn old louis the 14th proved to be a man of very few interests and pleasures amidst the whirlwind entertainment that was versailles so this is a king of france one of them uh was black amateur blacksmithing a small forge was installed in his private library to indulge the king in his pursuits of this particular hobby here were two there were two anvils and every tool that could possibly be needed was available. As it happened, locks were particular of interest to Louis, King Louis. 
The room was filled with all kinds of locks, common locks, hidden locks, and elaborately gilded locks. The chateau's blacksmith, by the name of Gammon, was also employed to teach the king all that he had known, probably in secrecy. When he was not with the king, he was in charge of all the locks of Versailles. From, from him, we know that Louis was eager to conceal his hobby from his courtiers and his queen, which resulted in, uh, in the two coming up with countless stratagems for removing and bringing in the anvil. Sadly, Gammon would eventually betray Louis during the revolution. The court was not very approving of the king's hobby. It was thought to be a profession for the lower classes, not a hobby for a king. Even Marie Antoinette had the occasional complaint that this hobby was uh, but far more practical reason. The work left the king's hands blackened, and he would often visit her without washing them first and damage the furniture. Basically what everybody, every blacksmith does. They don't yeah. wash their hands. Louis XIV seemed to have paid very little mind. Instead, he agreed with Rousseau that every man should know a manual craft. Meanwhile, the pamphleteers had a field day making the king's interest in keys a uh, symbol of his. Uh, was it? <laughs> this is a good. So, meanwhile, the pamphleteers had a field day making the king's interest in keys and locks a fitting symbol to his marital problems. Uh, once delegate, so you know, so I, mean, I was wrong. So, I mean, well, he, and I've I've thought it it you've had to have been wrong because a lot of these guys, you know, you oh, you're talking to Jesse Savage about, and, and Andrew about these guys having little giants back in the day. A lot of those people that bought the 25-pound little giants were farmers, and what do farmers do in the winter, especially back then? Nothing. Go ahead. There is not much to do. So why not get out of the house and go try to forge something? Huh. It's, you know, I mean, obviously... I, yeah. You know, now, a lot of times now, you know, there's winter crops and stuff that they can do. But back, you know, early 19th or 20th century, there wasn't a whole lot to do. So you think and they were so, picking they were picking up blacksmithing just to kind of clean the place apart? Clean the place no, up, I, think, I think they had the equipment to repair. Uh, they had all the blacksmith tools to repair their equipment. And then in the winter months when their, you know, work is slow, they just kind of fiddled with it as something to keep them busy. Well, honestly, I'm for this podcast. I'm looking for I'm looking for a long story thing, and I look for something, and it just seemed as the talking to more people and thinking about it. You know, I'm wrong a lot of times, which I'm perfectly. I'd rather like learn something and then maybe be corrected, and then finally maybe we can come up with like a. You know, this is obviously not researched, but at the same time, it was really cool when uh, it's an interesting conversation because I mean there is such but, little known, you know. It's pretty funny that he's he had to hide a hobby when you know his hobby should have been doing whores or something like that as a proper (laughs) king should, or being the king, or being the king and you know doing the king stuff. I was I was thinking about uh, I think about the you know the presidents when the president comes in the White House, he gets to decide what he gets to like make it like a kind of a hobby change like i know that um, nixon put in in a bowling alley and obama put in a basketball court and i think uh trump put in a tennis court or something like that and i i was thinking i was like i'll wait for one president to put in a blacksmith shop you know i'm I'm gonna blow blow some i'm gonna blow some steam off and make a couple axes or hammer or something like that i i think it'd be a great hobby for for a president can you imagine how bad? Can you imagine seeing president a president with some hands that actually look like they've done work? Dude, can you imagine seeing some dude with like, you know, what are you doing on your hot? I gotta make that I gotta work on this cross peen. I'm making this cross peen mm-hmm. hammer. 
Or I'm, I'm tinkering. I'm making a new lock for my bedroom. Yeah. I, you know, there's a squeaky door over here. I got to fix it. You know, something. I, the, would the Lincoln be... bedroom lock is, is no longer working. I'm, I'm putting a new one on that I'm forging myself. That'll be my contribution to the White House. Maybe someday that'll happen. Maybe someday we'll see somebody without like those like you know very pathetic hands that you know. We I could all... see it happening. You know, I mean, the amount of higher end people, and I don't mean like high level as far as their job—doctors, lawyers, attorneys—that uh, are picking up forging, and you know, a lot of it's ma- making knives, and that's fine. Uh, that are that are just picking up as as a hobby just continues to rise, and, and so things are more why accessible. Not, why not politicians? And expensive things are accessible. You know, yeah. I would. You know, I. Well, I mean, look, Jake jo- Jake Johnson is like he's moving more. Is it Jake Johnson? James Johnson. James Johnson. I mean, he's moving anyings like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It's like, and it's not like, you know, and people are buying, yeah, it would be, that would be cool, man. I, I would totally vote for like some dude who like had a real hobby that was, you know, I, I'm, for, I would vote for one if they just had real hands, real hands instead of a little waxy looking baby hands. Yeah. Those baby hands. You, we talked about this. I talked about uh, when I was talking to Andrew Alexander. Oh said, yeah. Do you the judge hand ju- oh, judgmental you, as hell. Do you, do you judge people based on their hands? And I, I watched a video of a guy who was talking real. He's this, he's he does a funny. I don't know why I watch it. His name's Mister Chime Time. He's uh he does uh food reviews, which is bizarre that I like it. But he's he's sitting in his car and he reviews food and he says things that are cool and he, he uses cool vernacular and he's just he's you know he does a pretty good job and he he explains why he you know it's not like. He's not polished, but at the same time, he's kind of like he seems like he knows what he's doing, and he goes, yeah. he goes around, he reviews food, but he so he puts the camera on his dashboard, and then he'll show you what it looks like, and all you do is you see these pathetic hands, like these hands that have never done anything. I mean, I'm Manicured. just assuming they're just very like they just look like they're soft, and 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 I look at the review, and I'm like, ah, he's doing a good job, or he's funny, or whatever, and I'm just like, yeah, with those hands. This guy, I don't know if I could trust this guy's opinion. You know, he doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, no cuts, nothing. I mean, fuck. That guy can't operate a shovel. So we're having a good time, but I thought maybe if you'd like, we can transition into weird stories. Hell yeah. Have you, is that okay with you, or do you want to keep? Hell yeah. All right. Okay. So if you don't know, every so often I'll have someone on. Usually Ben and Honor will come on together. Uh, I'll have Nico and we'll do a downward spiral and then we'll do, uh, weird stories. So I find weird stories on the internet and I think about funny, just being able to have a, you know, a hot take on something like that or whatever. So I'm going to read you some stories uh, I found on the news, weird stories, bizarre stories. And if you, if you find something weird, if you're listening to this podcast thinking, I I got a weird story for him. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, the full blast podcast on Instagram, you can send me your weird stories. Don't, don't, some of them are, you, some of you guys send me real weird stories, but you know, I, I pick and choose. Don't be, <laughs> don't be offended. Don't be offended if I don't pick your stories. If I don't pick your stories, you might want to, you know. It really may have been think. too weird. It might not have been weird enough. Might, both are true. Both answers are true. So I'm going to read off some stories. You say if you want to go hit them or not. All right. Um, 
The first one is Levi's jeans from 1880s auctioned for $87,400 after they were found in a mine shaft. Can you imagine? I, it, they had to have gone to Japan. Do you want me to read the story? You want me to keep I'm going? I'm curious about it. I just want to know. I really just want to know who bought it. Okay. Um, a pair of Levi jeans dating from the 1880s was found in an abandoned mine shaft and auctioned for $87,000. The pants were abandoned in the mine um, by a self-described denim archaeologist and were sold at the Durango Vintage Festivus, a four-day celebration on the outskirts of Aztec, New Mexico. The jeans featured a buckle-back adjuster. Um, hotter, uh, the guy said that 90% of the price... Uh, if you abandon your jeans in the bottom of a mine, they had to have been shit in. The- <laughs> yeah, there is right. no reason that you're trekking all the way out of a mine this without is- pants if you didn't shit in your pants. This is the goddamn you, Ben Snoor. That is the real part of the story. It's not about the jeans. It's why they were abandoned. You're right. Because these guys are going to a mine shaft, and it isn't to, like, take their pants off. No. No, you're paying $3,000 for jeans and 84000 for shit. <laughs> these jeans are extremely rare, especially in the fantastic condition and size. Uh, Minus and it looked the like, shit stain. <laughs> uh, it looked like it had 50... Um... He says, this guy said Harris looked at at least 50 abandoned mines for five years and not have found a pair of equal in quality. He says the couple of... Go ahead. uh, Is that just where you go look for old old britches? I mean... Is you just go around to mines and look for pants? He said a couple of pairs of Levi's from the same period are still known to exist, but they're on display in museums and not considered wearable. Uh, a couple of soft spots on jeans that have been used for reinforcement. Otherwise, they're super duty, super duty, of course. Oh, super duper <laughs> solid jeans. The only kind made by white labor, a, slo- a slogan adopted by the denim company after the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882, which barred Chinese workers from the United States. Uh, it's wild to see how old these jeans are. A Levi's represent- representative said this, the logo uh, and slogan of the company uh, were scrapped in the 1890s. The new owner said the jeans are now being kept in a safety deposit box near Denim Doctors and can be viewed by appointment. They said they're hoping to sell the pants to a museum for public display. You're right. Why are they in the mine shaft? They didn't have, like, stores in the mine shaft. He's, somebody shat themselves. Yeah. Abandoned you, I them. Mean, I can't. I can't imagine it'd be easy to even get another pair of pants. Yeah, I mean, I would think that in the 1880s, one pair of pants were pretty valuable. I would think so as well. I'd, and, I'd imagine miners didn't have a whole lot of pairs. No. So why would they be down there in the first place? Explosive diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a hundred percent that. God bless you, Ben Snow. That is exactly what happened. Guy had a bad batch of chili, completely blew his doors off, dropped the jeans. The jeans go into isolation, maybe. Who knows? In the 1880s, we're talking like, what, 120, 130 years later? Maybe the shit just kind of like evaporated, you know? Maybe. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe a hundred. I don't know how long maybe it takes for that. Maybe some sort of cave salamander went and cleaned them off. I don't know. <laughs> cave salamanders. 
the cave set, 150 year old, 30 year old cave set. I like that. I like that pot. I like that very much. That's exactly what happened. The cave salamanders came, did a little dry cleaning, and now you got 187, you got $87,000 pair of jeans, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's a good, good cut, good take. Very good take. Um, I'm concerned about the next ones. Have you heard about this story? The the two fishermen indicted on criminal charges in the Cleveland fishing tournament cheating scandal. Have you heard about this? I I saw some. Was it was it a walleye or this? Walleye these fucking or? guys. These and fucking they had, guys had them stashed. Two men are now facing criminal charges following their roles in the Lake Erie walleye trail tournament scandal that happened in Cleveland last month. On Wednesday, uh, Cuyahoga County prosecutors announced 42-year-old Jacob Runyon and 40, uh, 42 and 35-year-old Chase Kaminsky have been indicted on the following charges after allegedly placing weights and fish fillets inside their, cow- their catch. So what they did was they would catch these fish and then shove them full of things. Yeah, for, for higher weight. What kind of money are we talking about winning one of those tournaments, I wonder? I have a f- couple friends who are, f- who are tournament fishing guys, and you can do some good. Bi- you can do some good business on these things. All right, like what you can get. Not to mention the sponsorships. If like if you're, win- I mean, if you're doing great, you get sponsorships. You get boats. You can get all this stuff, and then um, here's uh, we can't tell. We call it theft of deception, which is essentially you try to steal something by making what you're what you're turning over into different. While some are frustrated about. It's, uh, it's one thing to be when you're sitting at a bar and the fish say, uh, what, the, what the fuck? What the fu- okay, so um, not it's only one is, thing to uh, tell a fish story, another thing to actually make your fish weigh more. Right. So Jake Runyon and Chase Kam- uh, Kaminsky uh, have been, they've won prize tournaments north of $100,000, including boats. Oh, wow. So uh, we call it theft by deception. Uh, they're frustrated about fi- um, while some are frustrated about the finances, others are hurt by by men they consider to be friends out on the lake. I'm angered about it and I'm sad about it. Northeast Ohio angler Kenny Morris says, "I've known Chase and I've known Jake, and I'm no longer speaking to them. They've and they're blocked from me." In an update on the story, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going back to a couple different stories just to kind of get close. Uh, the wildlife officers responded to Lake Erie Walleye Tournament after being contacted by the tournament organizers. Officials collected evidence and are preparing to report for the uh, prosecutor's office. This is an open investigation. I have no further comment this time. Um, are they going to charge him with being cheater, cheater, pumpkin eaters? I mean, you've seen. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but I will just to kind of like give you give people kind of an idea. So these guys were in this tournament, and they caught these four fish. But the four fish, four fish were turning weighing like way more based on the size. It's just like, you know, when you fish for a long time. I mean, some particular sizes are just more. They you kind of get the idea of how big they should be at the size that they are. A five pound bass looks like a five pound bass, right? But like they had four fish that were big you know they were big but they weren't like not lunkers yeah and i guess that they have this they have a uh, they they were suspicious because these things were like you know normal size but they were weighing in like a pile and they cut these fish open and they and they these guys caught these walleye and they shoved them full of fish weights and fish fillets in order to win and then people they caught them in the act they they scar these guys are lucky they weren't killed by the yeah. other anglers. So, um, 
it's a weird story, to be honest with you. It's, it's actually pretty uh, – people are pissed. I, I'm amazed nobody's been caught at that sooner. Uh, I am or too. maybe it just hasn't been been made news because it, you know the internet things spread the way they do now. Well, the news probably is the news probably is because there's video of them seeing they're caught red-handed on the video. Yeah. Like they're cutting these fish open and the guys just looking down and pulling out these fucking giant egg weights. It wasn't like a little weight. There was like you know egg weights, you know big ones. So, I mean, it is a, I, the story is probably far more interesting because there is video of them, like, being caught red-handed in front yeah. of a pile of people who looked like they were going to, like, mob, this was an angry mob. So, they're indicted, criminal charges, they're, people are taking it very seriously, and most likely, they're probably going to get the book thrown at them because it was such a viral story. Well, and I would assume, you know, I, at first you think, well, how can it be criminal charges, but you've got to kind of assume that majority of their wins could have been had by deception. You you would think that like maybe they shut maybe they did it one time and they're like, yeah, nobody's gonna check. You know? I that's gotta be what it is. You know, yeah. it's gotta be like they got they got cute and then they got comfortable with it and yep. then no one's gonna check and they all know us and they know they know that we're trustworthy. We're, we're trustworthy. Just, just, yeah. So shove some shit in his mouth, you know, and and probably got to, I mean, I would assume that these are not, I would assume that when they shoved them full of stuff, they were already dead. They had to be dead. You know, and how do you pack these fish with this stuff unless you're like, you know, you're like a, you know, stuffing it like a musket, you know, I just don't, it's all, I mean, <laughs> it's all very like, it's all gross and it's just like, you know, I don't know. Well, what a, cheating never pay, cheaters never prosper is that well apparently well let's just go into another cheating scandal have you All heard right. about uh have you heard about there's this story is uh in the in the once again thanks to the UK the UK has the best stories anal beads cheating scandals mega moves and trash talk it's chess I need to hear this it, dude this is a, this is a fucking crazy chess story uh, chess and anal beads aren't usually words closely associated in sentence, but the sex toys has been <laughs> has found itself lot these fucking Europeans um, <laughs> uh, closely associated in sentence, but the sex toys has found itself lodged firmly in the middle of one of the board's game board game's biggest scandals. After snatching a, after snatching a shock victory against world number one Magnus Carlson, uh, he's a ch- he's a chess player. Yeah, nineteen-year-old yeah. Hans Hans Nelman was been widely accused of cheating, with one slightly wilder theory suggesting that he used vibrating anal beads to signal which pieces to play on the board against his arch rival. Nielman has since insisted that he wasn't picking up any good vibrations and has offered to play again, only with one new co- caveat that he'll play entirely naked. So. How has great a simple wordplay? How is a simple way of game of chess, the game of wits and strategy, favored by royalty and enjoyed by some of the world's best and brightest minds, resulted in months mudslinging over sex toys? Having already racked up a thousand years of history, chess is now entering into another new era of huge surge of interest and has welcomed a fresh generation of young fans ready to take the board. 
No longer a game relegated to stale church halls. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, it's easy to attribute the Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit, Sunrise, blah, 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 blah. However, according to those who know chess, chess is newly popular, has been long on the rise. Uh, okay, who cares? Chess has changed a huge amount of people. Okay, okay, you get people like chess. <laughs> so now we're following several avenues. In fact, the Twitter, blah, 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 since 2022. All right. American Grandmaster uh, Hakiro Nakamura, who boasts 140. 1.5 million followers on the platform has uh, has thought to be worth an astounding $50 million, largely due to the part of his online following, which he's fostered through his distinct style. Streaming has allowed chess players a more, to show more of their personalities. Hakaro broke into the chess scene a few years ago and has made a name for himself as a bit of an anti-hero. Uh, okay, okay, so tell him the fucking story about he shoved the things up his ass. Yeah. I want to know Thanks about... Thanks to Twitch. Ain't no Morse code. Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's what they're getting at. Magnus was one of the first players to really embrace the social media aspect of the game. So social media has kind of made it such a huge thing. Uh, he's a bit of a fire starter in the chess world, says Hal, who himself is a stranger. Chess, Magnus is not afraid of one of the... Oh, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't bonus. think it'd be hard to be a fire starter in the chess world. All you gotta <laughs> do is like, walk in wearing a t-shirt. Dude, I think you would be... If you decided you wanted to be a chess master... You get some anal beads up there. We we fire you. We give you the Morse code. For yeah. the moves. You would be the biggest thing in chess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm telling you. You would. Uh, you would. I mean, I don't mean. I mean, I don't, I'm not suggesting we do the anal beads, but I'm suggesting if we could figure out a way to we? get you to win. Well, I mean, if you want, I mean, it's up to you, honestly. But I do mean, we I even have to play chess? <laughs> No, we don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. So cheating in the chess world is nothing new. Uh, the game was uh, Bulgarian. These are. This is a long ass story. So basically, they think that they think that the the. This is a ridiculous story. It's so long and it's not getting to the point. So basically, the idea is they think that this kid who has been has been known for cheating in the past online. Like the online cheating is very. They think okay. that because he's cheated once, there's just no way he could have beaten this particular guy. This 19-year-old guy couldn't have beaten this grandmaster. So the speculation is, is the only way he could have been communicating with is have something that vibrated, and they think that there's this theory, and apparently that there are these card people who are doing the same thing where you're getting a remote, you know, now they have anal beads, I'm under the impression, where you can, like, send a message. <laughs> you know, somebody can give it to you. And I think that they're, what they're saying is, is he just, he, obviously there was some sort of like code. Now I've never had vibrating anal beads in me, but I think it would be hard to interpret the message. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, Morse code is not easy. And I would imagine, oh yeah, let's just, <laughs> let's just imagine that he's using like anal bead Morse code. You'd have to really practice on kind of like, because in my mind, like if I'm concentrating anything, my tongue might be sticking out and I'm like, eyes are up in the air and I got that like pensive, pensive look and I'm trying to say, well, was that two, was that two vibrate, two quick vibrations and one vibration? I mean, king, king to rook. Why does Jeff have a boner? (laughs) That's the real question. Why is he, when he's thinking about fucking chess, he's got an erection in his pants. This is exactly why I needed this so bad. But it's like, you know. That's part of this whole. I mean, now people are making so much money on this social this social media avenue. They're figuring out ways in which to cheat. Well, know. you know, I don't really know what to say. Not much to say. I, I think yeah. you've, you've hit it all. I mean, you've hit it all. It's like 
you know, it's a fight. I think <laughs> once again the story is far fetched because they they're they're trying to figure out ways in which he cheated and you you reading that story with. and trying to scan through it. It's like trying to read a recipe online, dude. That was like, I mean, that of all the, I usually these things are like, I mean, they can't be. I mean, there was the history of chess for Christ's sake. Yeah, so. yeah. And then, like, if you if you want a recipe, you got to read the Encyclopedia Britannica before you get to the actual recipe it would have been easier if i had anal beads and they were like giving me like the the like the, <laughs> the, the morse code of the story and i can inter- <laughs> okay okay <laughs> and then I can, oh, 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 oh. wait a second wait a second what did he say again what did he say again i need two more bursts and okay 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 you know so all right so let's keep going that was enough of that uh now here's another one if i want to know how how if you if he had eaten chili before he went and played the chess game, if the bubble guts would have affected the Morse code reading. Dude, you get the anal bead guy with the jeans in the mind, you might have a fucking <laughs> the real million dollar winner there. Maybe that was the that you know The unstoppable chess player. I mean you I mean I don't know, man. I chess is a I I like chess, but I'm not willing to like devote, you know learning some sort of new type of it's not yeah really i like chess too but i'm not willing to play it either and i'm not willing to like you know learn some sort of anal language in order to win because <laughs> that's what it is you got to learn an anal language yeah. to win at chess how are you doing so well i'm very fluent in, in anal language anal language why, why yes you don't know about anal language and how yeah, would an- you even describe like because you, you're working with somebody so you got the you got the anal vibrations up your ass you have to like have a conversation with the person at the controls exp- kind of explaining beforehand the practice of it the, is the where you- six. Oh, yeah, that, don't give me that much you know or like i you know because there would be like the slip of the thumb and you know, what if he's jumping out of the chair and then how do you how do you interpret the language you, know, you have to learn you have to create the language you have to create the i think language. it'd have to be morse code yeah, I, I mean, obviously, but I mean, it's just like you need some spacing between the anal shot bursts. I would imagine. I just, well, it's a fun, I, it's a new language, I guess. Seems as though it seems as though there's a lot of like there's a lot of room for sloppy error. That you know, once again, you know, it's like you get an erection and it's like sentence over. I mean, what's Jigs the up. punctuation? You know, anal language. God damn it. Ben Snor in the anal language. All right. <laughs> all right. So here we can keep going. I mean, I, I talk about No, this. keep going. I mean, I can talk about this all day. Let's but have we, another one. All right. So we, here's the leader of Belarus gifts uh, Vladimir Putin a tractor for his 70th birthday. Now, would that be Belarus? What did I say? Belarus? Oh, yeah, yeah. But Belarus, Bel- Belarus. I think it's the same thing. Same thing. I like, this tractor? Story. I like this story for a couple of reasons. I'm going to read it. I read it, and I was just like, you know what? This might be a good one. All right. St. Petersburg, uh, Russia, Vladimir Putin got an unusual gift for his 70th birthday, a tractor. The leader of several ex-Soviet nations met at the Tsarist era Constantine Palace in Petersburg. Uh, President Alexander Lukashenko of Belarus, or Belarus presented Putin with a gift certificate for a vehicle. Tractors have been the pride in the Belarusian um, Industry since Soviet times, the autocratic le- uh, Lovish. Oh shit! Oh, shit! Fuck it! Goddamn AP! You you put a pop up on me. Damn so it! Basically, let me get back here. Let me get back here. Uh, 
Uh, wasn't clear. How, uh, so uh, autocratic uh, Lukashenko, the autocratic leader who's ruled the ex-Soviet nation with an iron hand for nearly three decades, while cultivating the man's the man of people's image, told reporters that he used a model. He used a model in his garden similar to the one gifted. So he has the same tractor that he gifted to Putin. It wasn't clear how the Russian leader responded to the gift. Lokushenko's office revealed Putin didn't mention the gift in a televised remarks at the start of the meeting when he talked about the need to discuss a settling ways of conflicts. He influenced, he emphasized the need to exchange information to fight terrorism, the leader of the Commonwealth. I think that this was an, a very interesting gift. I hope they gave him a John Deere. I think it was some sort of like Soviet era. I mean, it wasn't. What kind of what kind of tractor are you giving Putin? You're not giving him like a ride along mower. I don't know. Maybe one strapped with a missile or something. <laughs> no, or but I mean seriously. This is this, I like this story because this is the biggest kiss ass gift of all time. You giving this dude this tough dude of tractor. And you know it's not like a fucking ride-along mower. You know it's not something he, he's gonna look. He's gonna look like a fucking big dude on this thing, you know. And a tractor, guys driving tractors is this. That's that once again the president, the blacksmith. It's this tough guy. He's doing menial, fat, big labor. A tractor is 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 the new industry of farming. You're no longer using horses anymore. You're using this big shiny tractor. As a well, case, I, I was in a tractor most of the morning and i didn't feel like a big tough guy i felt like a guy who just wanted to be out of a tractor all right so if somebody gives you for your 70th birthday they give you this bright new shiny tractor i hope they give me somebody to operate it for me <laughs> you don't yeah but you're not like putin ain't running around a tractor i mean no and you know I, i've talked about the guy i work for he's a neurosurgeon loves driving his tractor and you so follow i could see around a guy him and you follow around him and dig him out when he, when yeah. he drives off the cliff I do that. <laughs> I do that. And uh, yeah, so I could see a guy like Putin maybe liking it. Yeah, but it's a kiss-ass gift. I mean, it's like a real suck-up gift. Because, I mean, you're, you're going to hit, you're, you're feeding into his, like, needing to be perceived as, like, a manly man. Putin not driving around a fucking tractor and, what, the Kremlin? Where? What is he going? What is he bringing it to his, like, his yurt? He's always like, what is his fucking winter home in, in like, Siberia to, to, to plow his, you know, potato fields? It's a fucking kiss-ass gift. I kind of feel like it could also be interpreted as a little bit of a fuck you gift too though <laughs> really get to work yeah get out there and actually do something i i don't know i think it's i i liked it because i thought it was a super duper kiss a kick a kiss ass gift a kiss ass gift a suck up gift like if you're giving a gift give him a painting or something you don't have to give him a tractor you ain't gonna use it it's like, it's like get the fuck out of here man don't pretend like you're gonna this is a bullshit gift. he's a bullshit guy it's a bullshit, it's a bullshit gift it's a it's bullshit a... gift but it's a totally like you are the biggest kiss ass of all time give him a tractor get the fuck out of here uh all right so we got there's a raccoon there's a raccoon story woman who brought a raccoon to a north dakota bar is charged we don't really care about that right we've nah. had enough we don't care about that this is a good one. The you know what Beyond Meat is? Beyond Meat's the company that makes uh, like veggie burgers and shit. No, I don't know about it. All right, Beyond Meat's a company that makes veggie burgers. So it's like they do veggie burgers and vegan stuff. Beyond Meat executive is accused of biting a man's nose outside of a game. That is not vegan. <laughs> That's the story. That's the hook. The hook. You want to know about more about this, or should we go yeah. on to no, Nigerian? No, I'm curious. I, I, you know. 
somebody biting some a, a nose off of somebody or an ear, a finger, whatever, that always kind of captivates me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. A, that is a remarkable uh, act. That is a that is a very very a remarkable act. Uh, Lafayette, Arkansas, an executive of a vegan food product company has been charged with felony battery and making terroristic threats after a fracas outside a football game in which he's accused of biting a man's nose. Beyond Meat's chief operating officer, Doug Ramsey, has been accused of a road rage attack outside Saturday's game between Arkansas Razorbacks and the Missouri State Bears in Arkansas. A police report said the 53-year-old Lafayette man attacked another man and try, uh, who tried to inch in front of him in a parking lot traffic lane and made contact with a wheel on Ramsey's sports utility vehicle. A police officer responded to a report of a disturbance arrived finding two males with bloody faces. After speaking with Ramsey, the other man, and a witness, the officer determined that Ramsey had gotten out of his SUV, punched through the back of the windshield of the other car. The driver of the other vehicle said he emerged from the car, and Ramsey pulled him in close, started punching his body, and also bit his nose, ripping the flesh off the tip of his nose. The man and the witness has also reported hearing Ramsey threaten to kill the man. Beyond, Reme- Beyond Meat has not responded to messages from the statement and Associated Press is seeking comment. So. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a, road rage is a thing, man. That is. I, have you ever tried to knock out a window in a car? No. I'm not one of those kinds of guys. Well, I, there there are times whenever you know, like at the Paladura Canyon State Park, which is not far from here, people lock their keys in their car, and you know, you got to break a window to so they can get in. Right. Or I've had a piece of pipe fall on a window on my truck and it not break. Like a window is hard to break. Being able to punch through a window, you got to be pissed. Yeah. And then that, to go in and, and bite someone's nose, it's just, that is taking it up another level. That is, biting someone, biting their nose is a, that's a primal shit. That yeah, is, yeah. that is a primal, primal shit. You know, that's bizarre. I mean, it is bizarre. It, it's bizarre. But the story really comes from the fact that the guy is the CEO of a vegan, a vegan company. That P.S., let let it be known. I don't really find anything from Beyond Meat to be any good anyway. It's all very expensive and it is not healthier than meat. And I'm a veg, veggie burger fan. I love veggie burgers. You it's know, you would just good. think I would if I if you told me to envision the owner of a company called Beyond Meat yeah. that makes veggie burgers. I would think of maybe I, I, I don't know some yogi. You wouldn't think they're driving a sports utility vehicle, that's for sure. No, I'd think they were driving a, a Tesla and... Or walking in Tevas. Listening to Yanni. Yeah, Yanni with shoving them the anal beads to get yeah. them to that chess tournament. You know what I'm saying? And not to win. And not to win, P.S. They're not putting in the chess tournament for the anal language. They're putting, yeah, in, the, they're putting, in, the, they're putting in the anal beads for some sort of mystical situation. Yeah, I, it makes me yeah. wonder if bath salts aren't mixed in with Beyond Meat. I, it is a it's a crazy story and the only reason why it's a story is because it's like you know it's about cruel you know like you know the whole idea behind a lot of these companies is they're trying to be away from animal cruelty yeah and meanwhile they get i mean 
Yeah, punch people, in the fucking people, window. People cruelty fucking... is fine, though. There's a lot of people that feel that way. I know a lot of people who are, they're definitely not people people. You know, if you meet people who are real animal people. Like they're you, nuts. The, you know the ones who work. I mean, I know friends of mine who run animal shelters. I know people who are animal people. Usually they'll identify with animals a lot better than they will with people. Oh, like, yeah. It's a real problem. Like, it's and it's not a real problem. It's... They are loners, or I don't know. I'm not causing. I'm not trying to make any assertions, but there is a type weirdos. of <laughs> there is a type of person who is very, very good with animals, and it's and it lousy with people. It makes a lot of sense. I, I just road rage scares the living shit out of me. And I actually, I've said this before. My wife used to give. She drives to work every day, and she's. She used to give people the finger because she just gets so mad they get cut off or whatever. And I had to stop her. I said, "Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna pull you over, or they're gonna follow you to work and they're pull a tire iron out." Yeah, like that shit happens all the time. But you might I, run into a, you know, you might get your nose bitten off. Yeah. That's scary too. I would fucking sue this if I if I was oh, the guy. Oh fuck! If you bit my, I, yeah, you punch my window out. Then you bite my face, and I find out you're the CEO of one of the biggest ve- vegan veggie burger companies. I'm so mad at you. It is going to turn – the Beyond Meat is going to be changed to the Fader <laughs> veggie burger company. I'm going to own that company. I'm going to own yeah. that company. I'm going to own that company. I'm going to sue the shit out of you. That's the only time – I mean, let's just be – let's pretend like we wouldn't sue someone who is rich and famous. If you got into a fight with a guy – Turned out to be like Elon Musk, and he bites your nose off. You're taking his ass to the cleaners, right? Oh yeah. I mean, Elon. If let's just, let's let's just figure this thing out. So Elon, you're driving along the street. You you you're you're getting in an altercation because you're trying to share a, a parking spot. He's unreasonable. Punches your door out, grabs you by the face, and bites your face. And you find out that it's Elon Musk. Yeah. No. Uh, SpaceX become a nosebleed NASA. Oh, dude, that is Snoor X right now. Yeah. <laughs> that is all of a sudden now we got yeah. a new company now. No, but and, you got to work out. You got to work nose into the name somewhere just so everybody knows how you came about owning yeah. SpaceX. Oh my God, can you imagine? Oh God, I, I don't know what these fucking people do. Okay, we got we got more a couple more things. Nigerian seizes donkey penises to be smuggled to Hong Kong. What do you think? Well, I'm interested. Okay, I love the fact that they said seizes. Seizes don't, I mean, AP, these, the best part about some of these articles is they have to make, the slug line, the story has got to be interesting. So, <laughs> Nigeria's seizes donkey penises makes you think that they're grabbing donkey uh-huh. penises. So, Nigerian officials have seized thousands of donkey penises that were about to be exported to Hong Kong, an official said on Thursday. Sacks of male donkey genitals were seized, and now if you're listening to this, been thinking, I'm sorry for interrupting, I'm talking to the listeners who found this podcast because last episode with the Maker Camp and all these art, high level, you know, art talk, this is not the episode for you. We already went to anal bees and we're going to donkey penises and this is really kind of, I need this in my life, okay? So back to the story. Jeff needs donkey dick. Jeff, well... You heard it. I'm not going to add on to that one. So, sacks of male gen- gen- uh, genitals, donkey. Ma- oh, god damn it! These, these fucking. I was right when I was about to get on get onto this whole story. All right, so sacks of male genitals uh, were seized at the international airport in Lagos, Nigeria's largest city. Um, 
the consignment was, quote, falsely declared as cow male genitals, but due to examination, my export officers discovered they were male donkey genitals. A total of 16 sacks of genitals were seized. An investigation has been launched to find out more information about the seized items, the customs customs services said. Although the seizure of donkey genitals meant for the export from Nigeria is rare, donkey skins are known to be frequently exported or smuggled out of the country. In July, Nigerian customs seized $116,000 worth of donkey skins that were smuggled uh, into the country from neighboring Niger. Here's the story that I like. How did they know the difference between... Uh, how did they just kind of like know that they were not? Oh, I can I can tell the difference in a donkey dick and a bull dick. But why is it okay to export bull dicks and not jack dicks? Dude, I do not know. I don't know about. I don't do know you about do the ex- with what do you do with the donkey skins as they called it? I think that the donkey skins are for like rugs. But, but I think the dicks, the dicks are for eating. The dicks are for eating. Man, you got to draw the line somewhere. I mean, some things, some things don't need to be eaten. I mean, look, people still think that if you eat these dicks, it makes your dick, your dick bigger. Not your dick, but ones, whoever ate it. So if they eat it, my dick gets bigger? (laughs) Yeah. Eat all the dicks you want. (laughs) I'm going to set them up. Ben Stern wants you to eat them dicks. Come on. This is like a strange, strange like Pinocchio thing. This is like (laughs) strange Pinocchio. Every time you eat a donkey dick, Ben's dick gets bigger. So do people in Hong Kong eat bull dicks too, though? (sighs) You're, You're talking to the wrong person in regards to what this is all about to the eating of the dicks yeah eating of the dicks is not something that i know about but in my mind as a city slicker my thought was how did they know the difference between a donkey dick and a and a and a cow and a bull like i said i could i could pick well you could tell it but as someone who doesn't know the difference my answer would be obviously it's the taste so I mean, that was my immediate. How would you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference between a donkey dick and a, and a cow dick? Oh, the taste, clearly. I mean, this one doesn't taste like. I mean, how do they? I mean, you think the customs agents knew the difference? I mean, you obviously was, they must have known. What What is the difference between a donkey dick and a cow dick? You know. Um. Now what? Donkey dick and a and a well, a cow, cow dick, a, a beard, a yeah, bull dick, a bull dick. Yeah, what's the a bull difference? dick is is pointier. A pointier. Yeah. Not bigger. Uh, no, not really. Okay. But so. Although a bull dick is really long. Like, it goes up into their body, apparently, a long ways. But they're, you know, all of them are, they're all gross. But I feel like a bull dick is just a little extra grosser looking than a than a donkey dick. Do you think that somebody in the Lagos Customs Department had that information? Or you I'd they're... imagine somebody has made a study of dicks. <laughs> I mean, that's a that is if, quite... if you're if that's something you know, if export of dicks is kind of <laughs> something that's regular around there, somebody had to have studied it. I, I my favorite part of the story is that I know that there are these highbrow people thinking that this podcast is always like <laughs> very like. Very intense art talk, and I know that you know. I've last episode it was really kind of highbrow, and now I'm. There's just lots of dicks in art. Well, this is far more interesting. So there you both, go. Both so, making the art and in the in the art. That's right, a hundred percent, both times. Getting 
two dicks for the price of one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I am really, I really have problems. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not apologizing for it either. I would prefer, frankly, this is this is I needed this. Um, all right. So I don't know what it says about me that I'm the one you had back on here for this. <laughs> Well, I knew you. I knew. Well, when I read that article, I was like, well, maybe, maybe Ben has some insight in the difference between a donkey dick and a bull dick. And clearly I couldn't you tell you the. I couldn't tell you the difference in taste. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll take your word for it. Uh, next story is this is a strange story. The FDA advises against cooking chicken with cold medicine in response to the sleepy chicken trend. Have you heard of this? How fucking stupid are people? Well, it's a two part story. Because the FDA went berserk because I'm going to read this. It's and embarrassing it, that they had to issue a notice. Well, they had, well, you're going to be embarrassed after I read the story and then read the follow-up story. All right. Uh, in a consumer update, the agency released on Thursday, September 15th, the FDA mentioned the unusual trend is an example of the over-the-counter drug misuse. A recent social media video challenged, uh, challenge encourages people to cook chicken in NyQuil. Uh, and other similar OTC cough medicine, cough uh, medications, presumably to eat. The challenge sounds silly and unappetizing. Um, the FDA is very concerned about people engaging in this. Social media trends and peer pressure can be dangerous combination to your children and their friends, especially when involving the misuse of medicines. So the FDA went nuts thinking that this was um, something people were doing. Well, turns out it was fake. And, oh, really? Yeah. So uh, Eater did a report saying, we're always falling for fake food stunts. NyQuil chicken prov proves to be one of our worst collective online tendencies. Last week, the Food and Drug Administration issued a warning, don't cook your chicken in NyQuil. This needed to be said, according to the FDA, because of a recent social media va uh, challenge, presumably linked to TikTok. Um, the sheer absurdity of this announcement, of course, you shouldn't cook chicken in NyQuil, much less eat it, shot, uh, shot the story into headlines this week with TMZ calling Sleepy Chicken and the latest craze among TikTokers and additional news sites following a suit to warn against the dangerous trend. Per the FBI, FDA, the risk lies primarily in boiling medications, which concentrates and creates vapor. Someone could take a dangerously high amount risk. High amount of cough and cold medicine without even realizing it. But here's the thing. Before any of these reports were made, NyQuil chicken mainstreams, was this food challenge actually a trend? And according to it, it wasn't. Uh, like Did it then become a trend? Well, that's what I want to know. Because this, the, uh, the cyclical nature of NyQuil chicken outrage would suggest the latter. Uh, internet archives. Uh, so NyQuil chicken became a kind of legendary moment with 4chan uh Brian Broderick explains in the newsletter in a newsletter the concept and photos occasionally circulate on other platforms it's not actually cooking as inspirations but it's more like a gross out food meme fodder popularized by counts so it didn't really it was just like people were fucking around and then that the makes FDA, me feel a little bit better about people yeah, but you know what? Can you... It's it's almost worse because there are there are people. I mean, the whole Tide Pod thing didn't really happen either, until people started doing it, and then they yeah. were like, "Well, let's try it out." So there's clearly going to be people are gonna they read this, they're gonna think about it. It's and they're gonna just you know it's gonna be some sort of like fraternity stunt or something like that. Can you imagine how shitty 
licorice chicken made with NyQuil is? I was about to say licorice chicken. Ugh. What a waste. What a waste. I, I am totally the kind of I, – I hate the waste of, of food, especially meat. Like I feel like some of these animals don't deserve to die for like a bad meal. Like Yeah. You know, like a bad – that's like waste of a life. But now you know that there are going to be people buying NyQuil and, and they're going to be making chicken breasts with NyQuil and stuff like that. So At least go with the chicken thighs. Uh, it's so much better. I, if I were to do sleepy chicken, I'll tell you how I would make it. If I were All to right. do it, if I were to do a sleepy chicken recipe, if you were to say to me, Jeff, we're going to do the sleepy chicken recipe, how would you do it? I will tell you. And I'm not telling you to like, do this. I would like to hear it. I'm not telling you this. You should not do it. But if you were to do it, the way I would do it would be I would grill the chicken and then I would make a very, very condensed uh, glaze of the NyQuil. A, 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 a NyQuil reduction? I would do a NyQuil reduction. And then how would you offset the taste of the licorice? You can't really get away from it. You have no, to and I would it. imagine it would be, you know, it would be concentrated. Right. It'd be right. super licorice. You're screwed. You're screwed either way. I mean, you're screwed either way. But if I'm if I'm tasked, let, let's just say, here's a, here's a good example. Let's just say that NyQuil is the new, you know, hospice. <laughs> I'm saying like deaths, you're on death's door. You need something that somebody can eat and that it'll make them feel better or something. You got to do NyQuil chicken. I'm doing grilled chicken thighs and I'm making a NyQuil reduction sauce. I'm eating horse tranquilizers. <laughs> I mean, donkey dicks. <laughs> I'm eating donkey dicks is what I'm eating. I mean, nearly anything other than... A, a NyQuil reduction. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Don't, I mean, I'm not even going to say to the podca- people in the podcast to, to do it. I mean, now, if you put it in like a like a meatball, that's a whole different uh, problem. You know what? It's never going to taste good. Licorice is not. <laughs> licorice. Is you not can't cover problem. that up. You can't not. I mean, it's licorice is not really going to be useful. Mm. But it, people are going to do it because they're just, they're so stupid. This is yeah. Stupid. Passenger fined $1,874 after two undeclared Egg McMuffins were found in their luggage. Wait, now say this again. <laughs> Passenger, a air, a, a, someone on an airplane, was fined $1,874 after two undeclared Egg McMuffins were found in their luggage. McDonald's prices have gone up a lot. All right. This is a weird story, too. This, this, fall, this might be in the... This might... Kind of, I should have done this off the donkey dick one. A uh, passenger traveling from Bali, Indonesia to Australia was found themselves paying a hefty price for McDonald's breakfast. The unnamed traveler was handed a fine of $1,874 after two undeclared egg and beef McMuffins and a ham croissant were found in their luggage after arriving at Darwin Airport in the country's northern territory last week. The incident came days after the Australian authorities brought in a tough new biosecurity rules after a foot and mouth disease outbreak in Indonesia spread to Bali, a popular destination for Australian tourists. Um, Australian Department of Agriculture and Fisheries said a range of undeclared risk products include fast food items were detected in the passenger's rucksack by a biosecurity detector dog named Zinta. This will be the most expensive uh, McDonald's meals this passenger has ever had. Minister for Agriculture and Fishery 
said in a statement. The fine was twice the cost of the airfare to Bali, but I have no sympathy for people who choose to disobey Australia's strict biosecurity laws and recent detections show you will be caught. So, I want to know, I'm curious about how long the flight from Bali to Australia is. And why wouldn't you just, if you're packing that shit along, eat it on the plane? Dude, people, I when, I, when I fly, people bring, you know, they get the fast food and then they bring it on the plane with them, which is gross. If you have to smell like fast food when you're on a plane, it's awful. I hate, I hate it. I hate it. But you're kind of right. Maybe they wanted like, it for later. You know? Yeah, but I mean, how much later? How long? Like, wouldn't you think it'd be at least a couple hour flight? Maybe they. How thought... long is how long is a ham and cheese croissant from McDonald's really good for? I would think a long time because I think all those things are a long time. I think that also you could I could imagine there being like, you call your friend. I'm coming back from Bali. You want what do you want? And I hear the the McDonald's sandwiches are different over there. Can you bring me back one? You got it. No problem. I've, ne- I've never had an egg and beef McMuffin. So I, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe the Australian guys said the same thing. It's like, hey, man, I hear their egg and beef and McMuffin is something else. Once you bring one over, let's taste it. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll put a couple in my bag. Next thing you know, it's like, you know, $1,800. I mean, I have definitely, I know that, like, we don't have, we, back in the day, we didn't have a Chick-fil-A very close to New York. And when it was very, when somebody was coming up, we would say, hey, bring some Chick-fil-A sandwiches up here. Yeah, I, know, I mean, there. I know of people doing doing that type cheese of Cheese steaks, friends of mine coming from Philly, if you're on your way up here, bring a couple oh, yeah, cheese steaks. Oh, yeah, that's good. You know, but um, there you go. Well, But, you know, that's kind of, yeah. I, dude, well, I mean, we've done enough on that, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, well, I mean, the guy, you know, it's the stupid. Uh, Illinois man accidentally swallowed a drill bit during a dental procedure and inhaled it into his lung. That's one stopper if you want that one. I'm going to read you a couple, and then you can decide. And then we'll All right. Go. All right, so there's Illinois man accidentally swallowed a drill bit during a dental procedure and inhaled it into his lung. Poop left behind in a Fort Myers mobile home after break-in. That's another one. So Sometimes you got to shit. Sometimes, and leave it in someone's, I mean, you break in and, and leave it. We can go with that one. Man posts about cooking chicken in a hotel coffee pot, and the internet exploded. And then last but not least, and you decide we'll pick one or pick two or whatever. Woman denied Swiss citizen woman denied Swiss citizen citizenship. That's a fucking Swiss citizenship is a tough one. You try to do woman denied Swiss, Swiss, Swiss citizenship. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not no. easy. Not easy. That that must that's probably like what anal language is like. You're kind of like slurring. It's all like it's like all those like buzzes and beeps and you're slurring your words. Like, I didn't know. What did you say when you try to get me to do that move again? I, I You're slurring your words. Woman denied Swiss citizenship twice for being annoying. So, you know you what? Poop left behind. I don't need to hear anything more about that one. Good for the Swiss. <laughs> yeah. Draw the fucking line. I, I like you can't. You can't come here. We don't like you. Go away. I'm reading it anyway because I like the fact that because you know bureaucrats are some of the worst human beings of all time. But bureaucrats with like when they kind of go outside the lines of their bureaucracy, that annoys me too. Like Okay. Nancy Houghton's journey uh, when it came to receiving her Swiss citizenship was not easy. She was born in the Netherlands but lived in Switzerland the majority of her life. She moved to the country when she was 8 and eventually raised her kids there. 
both kids are Swiss citizens, but Holton was denied her own Swiss citizenship, not once but twice. Citizenship in Switzerland is decided by the cantons and the municipalities and the people who reside there. The application must be go through go through each village committee for a vote. That's right. Your very own neighbors could keep you from being granted citizenship. Holton speaks up for what she believes in, even if it means getting a passport tonight. So she's a pain in the ass. It sounds like her whole neighborhood knows that she's a giant pain in the ass. She can't keep her mouth shut even for her own good. The first go around and second, you could say her public campaigning didn't make a great impression with her locals. A Holton, a vegan, was very vocal about her disdain towards longtime Swiss tradition like cowbells around animals' necks, hunting, and piglet racing. She posted on her public Facebook page about animal rights and did an interview with the media expressing her views. Uh, fellow something, something, whatever town's resident said she had a big mouth. <laughs> the resident said she had, quote, a big mouth and offered her who referred to her as annoying and boring. They felt that she was seeking media attention and was publicly disrespecting the nation's traditional ways. So Good for them! So... Oh, you want to live here, but you want to talk shit on everything, like, all about our country. Fuck off. She, Goodbye. I, listen, let me tell you. When you want to talk about... All right, so out of 206 village committee members who voted on her application, how many do you think... How many do you think voted against her? Out of, oh. out of two... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no, it was 144. That's a that's a that's a three quarter margin, isn't it? Uh, just about three that's quarters. Enough, yeah, that's a lot of people. She annoyed. That's you got to really of... suck for everybody to say no. You can't live here, dude. A hundred, if you lived in a town of two hundred six and one hundred forty four didn't like you, you got to move. You got to move. You kind of maybe ought to start reevaluating how you talk as well. I mean, that's a wide margin. Like I know that if I had to vote. Somebody had to vote in this town. Most of them probably wouldn't even know who I am. But if of two and two hundred six is a lot of people in a town, a hundred four, and then all of a sudden, the interesting part is, how many of them? If you're that woman who's so annoying, you're walking around the neighborhood, thinking, this motherfucker probably didn't vote for me. This probably person projected me. No, you and couldn't then, live there anymore. You cannot live there anymore. If everyone, in the t- if three quarters of the town doesn't want you to be a resident there, you got to move. You got to move to Norway. You got to go anywhere. You got to go yeah. anywhere. And I mean, <laughs> but it's not going to be in Switzerland. <laughs> it's not going to be in that town for sure. But can you imagine? Can you imagine how how obnoxious you have to be? Why wouldn't you? Th- why wouldn't you keep your mouth shut and like? Because now your kids are Swiss. And now you're not, you can't get citizenship because you're, you can't be a citizen because you're yeah, an asshole. She, what, what, cutting off her nose to spite her face. Or biting it off or getting <laughs> it bitten off, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, some people just can't help but opening their mouths when they shouldn't. I, I swear to God, I swear that if I were in this situation, I wouldn't. I would have waited to get my citizenship before I opened my mouth up. Oh yeah, you know, that's definitely. That's a very short-sighted move. That is hilarious too. It's, but I gotta move. Like I gotta move. I'm not going to the oh, press about yeah, it either. Th- there's no way you could stay there. And now 
she's told all of Switzerland the story has got to be all. I mean, this is on the this is in the AP. I'm getting it at, in New York. So you know, oh no, this is Ripley's. This is Ripley's, believe it or not. So you, you, this happened September 22nd too. The most reliable of sources. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I go. I mean, I go for, you can believe it or not. I, <laughs> I believe it. This one, I believe, Ben. <laughs> I believe this woman is a total pain in the ass. I believe that she she. Uh, oh, I, she, yeah. I believe. I, I do this. believe it as well. But Ripley's, believe it or not, this one I believe, or not. You know, I mean, or not, or not. I mean, all right. I, I like that story. I like this story more because not only does she she hated in her town, but she's now probably more hated because she went to a news source to say, "Can you believe that they wouldn't let me be in this town? Can you believe how annoying I am? Can you believe that they let think- me just tell you how annoying I really am? Can you believe how much the people of this town dislike me? Can you believe it? Can you well, can you imagine that I brought this all upon myself? They don't know. People don't. That's see. That's the wrong attitude that a person who's a, like a, a narcissist like that would never say. Can you believe I brought this upon myself? They would be like, "There, these people are all wrong, but they won't allow me to stay here. I have to yeah. be wrong somewhere else." Like some people just suck. And- some people just suck, Bensner. And there's nothing, you know, there's no way around it. And they're never going to learn how to not suck. It's, and then once they suck, we'll find them. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll find them. Whether or not they're smuggling donkey dicks, whether or not they're biting people's faces off, whether or not they're just miserable sons of bitches. You will be fodder. Morse code. Uh, asshole Morse code, anal language. If you suck, we will find you and you will be a new story on the full blast podcast ben snoor once again we've whipped through two hours with ease we could have kept going we had other stories but we you know we've we've exhausted all of our we exhausted most of our engines i can't thank you and i can't i get so many messages people say oh ben snoor's i love it when ben snoor's on so you I are, always enjoy it thank well, you for having me back you have an open door invitation anytime you want to come on i'll you just let me know i'll dig up some stories and We'll have a couple laughs, and that's what we all need, right? Fantastic. Guys, go follow Ben Snur on Instagram. You know he's the man. He is he's the, he's the man. Ben's the best, and uh, you can go also. You don't have to DM him to buy a hammer, you know. You can go to wellshod.com. That's, I think it's well underscore shod. Is that right? Or is it uh, Welsh? Look, at, look up wellshod.com, and he has some hammers. I think it's well-shod. Well-shod. They have hammers available, right? Ben? Yeah. No. All right. Yes. No. Maybe they may maybe. have some. They may not. You don't and have to DM well dash shot. You don't have to DM them. Go over to Wellshot. See what they got. They got that, some... That'll always be your quickest way to get one. Quickest and easiest. Quickest way to get a hammer, and tell them that the full. Don't tell them any. Don't tell them anything about this podcast. <laughs> we, we, we we can ruin our own reputations. Ah, without... uh, you never know. You might try it. I mean, you know, you might try it, but don't don't make any jokes. Don't make any like donkey dick jokes. Don't don't do anything that would make please, him look bad. Please, no, no, no. Please do donkey dick jokes. Oh no. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. We will see you next week, Ben. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Y'all have a good one. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Yeah.